Welcome to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 002. Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, here are the hosts of the Veterinary Project Podcast, Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Hi, everyone. You are back with Dr. Jonathan Light and Dr. Michael Bug. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Johnny. Beautiful weather out here in, in lovely Saskatoon. Excellent. It's the one or two months where it's nice out there at this time of the year, which is pretty good. We might actually might be coming your way in a couple of weeks. I hope so. Be great I hope you. so too. Get the kids playing together. It's be a lot of fun. What's going on in Mike's world these days? Ah, uh, well, I mean, we've been taking advantage of the nice weather. I was in the paddling pool yesterday with Riley, so that was pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, working on some real estate stuff, but you know, this podcast, just making sure we're, we're just getting off the ground, um, kind of learning how to keep up to date with all the social media stuff that's going out, getting it scheduled, um, you know, and it's been fun. I'm really enjoying the, the learning process. Yeah, we're getting in there. We're getting some guests lined up and I, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped. Like we have, we have people reaching out on Instagram. We have people reaching out on Facebook, people reaching out on LinkedIn. And it's kind of cool. Like even this morning, you were telling me we've got a couple from across the pond. I'm like, no way. Like that's, that's exciting. It seems like we're, we're, we're making some impacts and that's what we're after. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we said this when we started, we, we don't really know where it's going to end up. We still don't, but I'm excited to just keep, keep running with it. Me too. And it's already molding. And that's no different for our guest today, which is going to be uh, a really great conversation to listen to. Um, wow. Impactful individual, Dr. Craig Mosley, and National Medical Director with VCA Canada. We'll get into the bio right away. But before we do that, Mike, take over. What is our quick tip for the day? All right. Okay. This one, you got to bear with me. I'm going to take you on a, a little journey. So it's not so quick of a tip. Uh, but I'm building off of, I uh, really, it came to me when I was in the paddling pool with Riley yesterday. And this one, I have to give credit to a really good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Jamie Gruber. Uh, he's my accountability buddy. He lives down in Michigan. He's got two small boys. I, I believe they're two and five and they own a pool. Uh, and this will be, become really important in the story here. So him and I were talking and we get into some pretty deep conversations and we were talking about like our future self and how we want to show up like, you know, in our businesses um, as husbands and as fathers. And he, he had this epiphany because uh, his kids are always sort of, you know, saying like, hey, daddy, come play in the pool. Come jump in the pool. Come swim with me. Okay. And he said, you know, after a long day of work, you know, sometimes he just wants to sit on the, sit on the, the pool edge or the pool deck, you know, and have a drink and just sort of decompress. Yeah. And he was thinking, he's like what would my future self do? Like that great, amazing father, what would he do in this situation? 
And the answer is that great father would jump in the pool and play with his kids. So he's, he's reframed it and he says he now makes all of his decisions based on what was, would his future self do. So that's my, my not so quick tip for the day is to kind of, when you're making decisions in the present, is to make them from the, from the viewpoint of that future self of yours. And then further to that, whenever life gives you an opportunity to jump in the pool, just jump in the damn pool. Just grab it. Yeah, that's my quick tip. Thanks for the quick tip today. And I would say our veterinary project podcast and the project we're being a part of is jumping in the pool right now. So excited to be in that pool with you, Mike. Thanks for sharing. Moving forward, I have the uh, pleasure of introducing Dr. Craig Mosley today and walking through a short bio uh, in advance of getting into the interview. Craig graduated from the Ontario Veterinary College at the University of Guelph. He completed a residency and a master's of science program in veterinary anesthesia. He's been actively involved in many facets of veterinary medicine since graduation, including, but not limited to, mixed animal practice, critical care medicine, teaching, management, anesthesia in both private and academic practices before, with, throughout North America. Dr. Mosley's varied experiences have provided him with the foundation for his practical and real-world approach to anesthesia and pain management. His wider interests in veterinary medicine include innovations in veterinary medicine, the science of clinical decision-making, and medical errors. He's currently the National Medical Director, Specialty Medicine for VCA Canada, as well as works part-time as a staff anesthesiologist at VCA Canada 404 Veterinary Emergency and Referral Hospital in Newmarket, Ontario. In his spare time, Dr. Mosley spends time exploring the outdoors with his veterinary anesthesiologist wife, and two daughters. Without further ado, let's get into it. Craig, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. This is fantastic. And we're really, we're, we're excited to get into some great conversation with you and uh, hear a little bit more about Dr. Craig Mosley. I've had the opportunity to work with you uh, closely over the last two and a half, three years. Mm-hmm. And so this conversation I think is going to go a little bit differently, which I am really uh, looking forward to. So for those in the audience that don't know about you, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you find home now. Yeah, well, thanks, uh, Jonathan. It's actually pretty awesome to be here. And I'm super, uh, I'm super stoked to be part of this uh, project. Um, I, you know, I don't know where to start about telling about myself. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm a veterinarian, I'm a veterinary anesthesiologist, um, done a lot of different things over the course of my career, um, including, you know, practicing in academia, as well as private practice in both US and Canada, um, done a lot of teaching, a little bit of management, um, and sort of a lot of other things in between. And, you know, also did some primary care practice. And, and now I'm, uh, I'm in Uxbridge, uh, um, Ontario, so, which is an awesome place to be right now. It's beautiful and summer is perfect. Nice. And your role right now where we work together was with VCA Canada, where you're the national medical director. And then on top of that, you're a staff anesthesiologist, correct? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm um, currently uh, a national medical director, especially nice. medicine for VCA Canada. Um, and 
unfortunately, I'm not doing as much clinical work as I would like to be doing. Um, and that was largely just due to my travel schedule and trying to coordinate it with the clinic schedule. But yeah, I still try and do um, clinical practice and I still try and keep my foot in there, still try and do a lot of uh, consults or whatever I can to help out uh, fellow clinicians and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Definitely not where I thought I would be, let's put it that way though. And so I want to go into that a little bit because I feel it's really important. There's a lot of veterinarians out there that think when they get out of school, they're going to be in that same trajectory within that same framework for the next 30, 40 years. And in setting up for this podcast, both Mike and I chatted about, we need to get Dr. Mosley on this podcast because you are the epitome in my view of someone that's not done that your trajectory has gone here and here and up and over and i I respect that so much uh from a person that looks at what you've accomplished and even though it's hard to see it that way sometimes i think of it as a huge accomplishment so tell us a little bit if you can is this been something that has always been in you in, in different experiences in life or has that just been the way your career has played out? Yeah, I know. That's a really good question. And, and it's a hard one to answer, I'll be quite honest. And, you know, as you say, my career trajectory, I mean, I, this was never pre-planned. I mean, I never sort of said, hey, this is where I'm going to be at the end of my career. I mean, I, that, actually, that's not true. I mean, I, there was a point that always gets changed every three or four years. And, and you know, I typically have changed positions, um, you know, roughly every three or four years. And, and sometimes it's kind of embarrassing, I won't lie. Um, you know, when I introduce myself as I'm speaking, uh, you know, I, the, the introducers often get tired of trying to introduce me because it's like, oh, they can't remember everything. But, you know, it sort of sounds like I've just gone from job to job to job. And I think, you know, in some ways, I used to think that there was some stigma attached to that. Um, you know, but I think the more I look back on my career and think about where I'm going, and I think, you know, I still got a lot of career ahead of me is, I don't know, I think our careers and this profession and even life in general is about collecting experiences that contribute to who we are today. And, you know, so if I look at my experiences, I mean, I started in primary care practice as a mixed animal vet. And in fact, I wanted to be, you know, focus on herd health is what I really kind of wanted to do. But before that, I wanted to be a zoo vet. And you know, I finished and then I next thing you know, I go back and I do an anesthesia residency and I finished that and then I decide I want to be a criticalist. And so I go into a private referral practice in California where I do emergency medicine. And, you know, from there, I'm like, oh, you know what, maybe I should get back into academia and I come back to academia and then I want to get back into private practice. And so I go back into private practice as an anesthesia. So I, I've, I've kind of bounced around a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think throughout that, I think I've always looked at it as an opportunity to really just learn more, not just about myself, but about our profession um, and sort of what makes our profession run. So, yeah, I mean, I, can, I don't know where you want me to go in terms of how much detail in, in my career. And, and, you know, you obviously know my background quite well and you know the parts that have been more challenging or more interesting. Um, but, you know, I look back at everything and I just think everything has contributed to who I am as a person today and who I am as a veterinarian today. And, and I feel incredibly grateful for all of those Excellent. experiences, both the good and the bad associated. And when I look, and, and thank you for that description, when I look at your experiences, I think here's a, a gentleman that is as inquisitive as anybody I have ever met, both within veterinary medicine and outside of veterinary medicine. 
how have you taken that inquisitiveness, that want for experience and turn it into all of these different roles? There's lots of vet students and even veterinarians that are looking for change in their careers and they don't know how to do it and they're scared. Your description as you've just provided in the last couple of minutes is completely the opposite. Yeah, you know what, that's a really, uh, that's an interesting sort of comment to make um, because it is scary. It is extremely scary. Like every time you make a change and every time you change a job or, you know, explore something different, I think, you know, so going back to the first part of your question, you're right. I'm inherently extremely curious. I'm extremely interested in all kinds of different things. And, you know, I like learning about other things. I mean, I totally do look at my life as being lifelong learning, regardless of whether I was a veterinarian. I know that that's sort of a motto within our industry that being a veterinarian is lifelong learning. I think being a human is about lifelong learning. And so I, so I think, you know, that's driven me a lot in a lot of respects. Like I'm always looking for something to learn. I want to develop. I want to grow. I think the scary part is something that, um, you know, if I think back and I look at myself and if I do, did any self-reflection or self-examination, I mean, I'm actually inherently an extremely shy um, person. And, you know, but I had to learn that I couldn't be that way all the time. And that there was times where I had to be more socially engaging or I had to be out more. And, and, you know, my first experience was really working in a variety store as a teenager where I really had to overcome that fear, basically, or I had to realize that I can do this. And, you know, I'm actually afraid of heights. And, you know, to overcome that, I became, you know, fairly ambitious climber. And, you know, I used to do a lot of climbing. And so I think when I look at my career and I look at the challenges that we face, I sort of feel like you almost get more reward by doing some of the things that are the scariest or that may be the hardest. And, and what you'll find is, I, th- I think anyway, is it's not, it's not necessarily hard. And it's not necessarily that scary once you, you kind of break it down. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I think as a veterinarian, we are so fortunate that we can always work. Like, Agreed. The, the really a decision not to work as a veterinarian. Like, even if I'm an anesthesiologist, I mean, I can still go back and, and practice primary care, albeit I would need a lot of upgrading. And my, you know, I mean, I take my own animals to a primary care veterinarian because I don't feel qualified, <laughs> but I'm still a veterinarian. And so I still have that trade to go back to. So I feel like as a veterinarian, that's one of the great things about being a veterinarian is we've got this massive safety net. Like, if you're a veterinarian, you want to go become a, I don't know, an organic farmer, you can do it and you've got a net to fall back on. If it doesn't work, you've always got this safety net. And so to me, that's one of the things that I felt is a massive privilege about being a veterinarian is that we always have that. Like, you know, and there's not a lot of professions that could say that, right? Like you think about a lot of other professions maybe, but a lot of other jobs, you don't have that safety net. If you lose your job or if it doesn't work out or you're an entrepreneur, switching up you're done whereas we've always got something so so for me i think that that's sort of sort of you know the curiosity the desire to have new experiences but i think also knowing that it's going to be okay at the end of the day it's going to be okay how do you get over that fear factor and in that being scared to take on something that you're you're fearful of whether it's a physical thing like being scared of heights or changing roles changing jobs changing your uh, I guess, specialty within, you've been a criticalist, you've been a GP, you've been now an anesthesiologist. How have you 
acquired the skill to get over that because there's a lot of people there that get in their own heads and cannot turn. They they can't see past their own fear. Yeah, and I don't know if I have a really good answer for that. And I do have to correct. I'm not. I've never been a critical. Okay, excuse me. You've you've (laughs) you've worked in a setting that provided critical care services. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. With that. Um, Yeah. You know what? um, I don't know if I really have a good answer for that. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that it's you know getting over so much the fear or just giving it a try and knowing that the worst, like, again, I think it's that what's the worst that can happen. Right. I mean, as a veterinarian, we all like, even, even when I was doing, um, you know, critical care and emergency medicine, I mean, I was trained primarily as an anesthesiologist and that's where a lot of my expertise was, but I always knew my limits, you know? And so I think knowing your limits is probably really important no matter what you do and knowing when to ask for help and being okay and asking for help. Like, you know, I remember, you know, one of my mentors, I would reach out to her very regularly, like when I was struggling with what do I do with this case, you know, um, and ask for help. So I think. And was she in the same building or was she in a completely different part of North America? Where was she? Yep. She was in the University of Guelph and I'm in, you know, California. Um, But I would email or pick up the phone and and give her a call. But I think, but I think that's probably the thing that, you know, would be my advice is don't, hesitate to reach out to your colleagues and friends and, and um, peers and mentors. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, we all try and support those that, you know, are, are basically, you know, colleagues are in this profession and we're more than happy to help. And I think once we know that, but I think sometimes we're so embarrassed by what we don't know that sometimes we're unwilling to ask. And, you know, maybe I'm just okay with being the one who asked the dumb question. I don't know. Um, you know, and I don't like as doing someone as, as someone that's knowing you, I, I for sure see that as a skill within your, you know, we've been in meetings where you're not afraid to ask the question that's probably in everyone's mind. And Craig's like, well, what do you think about this? Yeah. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Often get some really tangential looks as well. And, uh, some <laughs> and, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's okay. I mean, I, again, I think if we don't explore and we don't push, a little bit outside the box we live in, we won't ever really know what others are thinking, or we may not ever realize the potential of an idea, right? Like I'm big into ideas. And I think, you know, keep your ideas to yourself is great. And oh, I'm going to market this thing. And I'm going to, but you know, and maybe some people do that. And they're very successful with that. But I just always feel like share your ideas out there. Because as soon as you put that idea out there, someone else is going to build on it. And then they're potentially going to develop it. And they're actually going to do it right. Like I talked to you about this podcast idea. And, you know, I like it was I thought it was a brilliant idea. Let's create this. And here you're doing it right. But I wanted to share that with somebody and let them think about and, it as well. That's how all three of us are on this call right now. Cause Mike and I did the exact same thing at a similar time and you don't know what happens from putting it out there. Yeah. I, I got to jump in here, Craig and say like, this is literally our first time ever speaking. Yeah. Um, Jonathan has told me so much about you. I have your bio in front of me and it's like three pages long of journal articles and everything you've accomplished and listening to you. It's mind blowing. Like you've just given all of the like veterinary students or new grads, the playbook of like, you're constantly curious, you're grateful for the good and the bad. And even if you don't know something, like you said, you're shy, 
you can learn to do it differently. And it's yeah. like, it's like, boom, there it is. That's the cheat sheet of like, <laughs> go. I, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to take that and I want to turn a little bit too um, in in a portion that you spoke about and Mike just mentioned which is shyness. I've seen you at conferences. I've been in the middle of a throng of Craig Mosley admirers, whether that is first or second year vet students, all the way through to world class specialists. And you and I have had discussions about how, in earnest, you are an introvert. Love to explore a little bit, Craig, because I've seen you on stage with hundreds of people and then one-on-one -on -one conversations. How do you take that introversion and still provide such value out there? Is that something that you've consciously developed over time as you spoke about earlier? And how do you also refill yourself if and when you need to? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good uh, question. It's interesting. I mean, I think most veterinarians can relate to the fact that many of us are introverts by nature. Like that's where we exist best um and and you know but i but i think there's also a lot of energy that comes from being in larger group environments um and so you know i think for myself i i, I just kind of learned over time how to manage it but it's also a comfortable environment like it's very easy to be in a group of with veterinarians and my colleagues because there's a shared connection there do you know what i mean like it's one degree of separation and we can always create a conversation so it's very comfortable and so I think that's why I'm able to do it in that type of environment. If, I think if you stuck me in a completely different environment, stuck yes. me in a room with people from all different backgrounds and different industries, and I'd probably struggle a little bit more. But, but I think I've also, you know, I love learning about what other people think. And so I'm, I'm really comfortable in asking questions like, what do you do? And how does that, and, and learning about whatever it is. And so then I can create conversation that way. And, and I do get a lot of energy from that. But I also, I also get very exhausted, um, you know, as you and I have been at conferences before together, like, you know, you're on, you're talking to people all day long. And then, you know, you're kind of like, hey, let's go out for, you know, a beverage afterwards. And meanwhile, I'm like, no, I, I, I need to, I need some I need quiet to scale time back. just sit quietly. And so, yeah, I mean, I recharge just by that quiet time. And, uh, you know, oftentimes it's time spent outdoors or in nature. I mean, that's for me where I really, you know, can rejuvenate and having that time just to sort of quiet reflection and just think about what, you know, the day has been and the good, the bad of it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of veterinarians, I think by nature, a lot of us are introverts, although I have met a lot of extroverts and even that terminology, like introvert, extrovert, um, you know, I don't even know that it's that well defined. You know, I listened to a really good interview. Um, I want to say it was maybe, oh my God, who, one of the podcasters anyway. And he interviewed this woman who's, you know, this world renowned speaker, like all over the place, but she is incredibly shy as a person. And it was just really interesting, like her book and just to hear, you know, I think it was the quiet, quiet by chance, power of quiet or something along those lines. We're just might've been something like that, but, but yeah, it was really we'll find interesting. Out. We'll find yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah. So I guess I just think that, I don't know that there's a fine line there. Like I think we all get energy different ways and, and some of it is that quiet time and yep. But yeah, you know, you're in a big group of people who are all excited. Like that excitement is just infectious, right? Like brings everybody. Yeah. yeah. When you're not working, you have a family, you have young girls, daughters. What do you do to refresh? What, what do you guys do? Do you guys purposely take time away from the world? Both you and your wife are anesthesiologists. What does that look like for you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we spend a lot of time um, disconnected, like, um, like, we don't have TV. So that's never been a distraction in our lives, which I think, you know, if I just think about the number of hours that people will spend with a TV in front of them, I don't have that. So that time instead is spent, you know, either reading or with my kids or doing something. And I think, yeah, outside of work, that's what we'll spend a lot of time doing. And but I'm not a very good sit down person either. Like I don't sit still very well. And uh, so, you know, I'm always doing building things around the house or working in the yard or, you know, playing with your bees. Yeah, well, I don't have the bees anymore. But yeah, I had the bees for a while. And yeah, um, you know, I used to brew beer and, you know, have all kinds of little hobbies and stuff like that. But I think having other things outside of work unrelated to veterinary medicine is really a really good thing to do, like to just have something completely different. Yep. Now changing gears again, we look at where you are in your current role, national medical director, the specialty responsible for helping a lot of veterinarians in Canada, um, very connected North America and worldwide jumping a little bit veterinary medicine, um, continually transitioning. We talk about the future of veterinary medicine and where it's going both big picture as well as on an individual veterinary level would love to get your perspective on where it's a broad question, but I think an important one. And you and I have had these conversations before, where do we see veterinary medicine going in the next 10 to 20 years? I think this is an important point right now that a lot of people are missing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball and, and knew, um, I do think as a profession, just like most of the professions, we're subject to changes associated with the way that information is now available, right? I mean, um, you know, there's a book called The Future of the Professions that I encourage everybody to read. But, um, you know, in it, they talk a lot about the fact that, you know, historically, professional expertise was passed orally from one person to the next. And so, you know, obviously you couldn't pass that to a hundred thousand people. You passed to one and then that person became skilled and then it was written and it was maintained in libraries and, you know, but you had to have access to the library and access to the university to learn that now with digitization, a lot of that information is available almost anywhere, which means that you don't have to go to school to learn or become an expert in all kinds of different topics. Like, I mean, I, I've been doing a lot of uh, free online courses on uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. And these are being taught by people who are like top tier professors. I'm not getting any credit for it, but I can still learn the information. And so I think that in the veterinary profession, we need to be aware of this. And, and this should be something that we should all be thinking about is, Historically, we've been a monopoly that's held this profession as veterinary medicine, and we've controlled it largely, and we've controlled the information, we've controlled the delivery of veterinary expertise. But as practical expertise becomes more readily available through things like the internet, our ability to control that expertise becomes less and less. And where does the veterinarian fit in that scheme? Are we the curators of this information that's now readily available? Are we the sort of, um, you know, the, the clinical or the patient care coordinator? I, I, I don't know where we're going to end up with as a profession, but I think we need to be thinking about the future and recognizing that, you know, just like the automobile disrupted yes. our industry, 
like turn it from like basically on its head. Like if you think about what veterinarians did historically, like before the automobile, we basically looked after cows and horses. But horses were the automobile. Well, then that went away. Well, a lot of jobs and a lot of horses also went away, which means the veterinary profession had to change. And we did. And then we became, you know, this small animal component. And now that's the biggest part of veterinary medicine. Well, as information continues to get digitized and as machine learning becomes more powerful and AI becomes more powerful, it's conceivable that many of the things that we think are only in the realm of a veterinarian could be done to some degree by AI and machine learning. And, you know, the same thing is happening in other professions, accounting, um, law. If you look at human medicine, there's a great book by um, uh, a fellow, Eric Topol. Um, the, the patient will see you now. And then he's got a, another one that um, he just released. Its name is escaping me. Um, oh my God. It's, I don't know why it's escaping. But if you read what he writes, AI will never replace what you and I do as a veterinarian, but it'll augment what we do. And I think if we ignore that, it's at our own peril because other, other groups will come in and start making that information available. Like I've always said, listen, if you could create an AI that scoured the internet yes. for information on a disease process, a client could go onto that AI platform put in their animal's disease, maybe enter some lab data because, you know, hey, we're going to have lab data that, you know, you're going to be able to take a sample from your dog's saliva, right. send it in and get a biochemistry done on the dog yeah. and probably get its genetics done and everything else. If you could feed that into an AI on the computer and the AI can tell you this is probably what your dog's disease is and this is what the treatment is, is that practicing veterinary medicine? That's on that edge. What do we? I, I don't know because it's, it, it's information that's generally available. Like, I don't know. I think as a profession, we just need to be open to change and recognize that change will occur. And it doesn't need to be something that we need to be afraid of. And that if we're not part of that narrative, somebody else will do it for us. And I don't really want that to happen in our profession. I mean, I think I've talked to you about this before is you know, I, I attend the um, Veterinary Innovation Summit every year um, since its inception. And I remember the first year a guy got up there and basically said, you know what? If veterinarians don't do this, we will. And it was a guy who, you know, is a tech guy. Not even a veterinarian, not in this, yep, coming and into I, the space. And, and he's right. He's right because they want it and, and they all develop it. I mean, I, I use that example of that kid who's developed the, the thing to clean up the plastics in the ocean. Yes. Out of the Netherlands. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are like, oh, it can't be done. You can't, can't, can't. And then I'm like this 18, 19 year old kid. I yes. shouldn't call him a kid, young adult, has, has developed something and, and he's blowing it. Like, yep. like he's doing he's so doing well. Yep. And so, you know, to me, I, I think, you know, we've got to be like that too and recognize it. Yeah, I mean, who knows where our profession is going to go. I think it's really exciting. And I think that things like machine learning, AI, genomics, biobanking, um, data analytics associated with what we can do in terms of lab data and imaging anymore like radiographic imaging. I mean, the power is enormous to connect the dots on all of this. So it's, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. I can go on that tangent forever, but probably I should stop. <laughs> this is wild to like think about. I'm, I'm listening to some podcasts talking about like the rate of growth that technology is developing and basically like doubling 
every 18 months or so. And when you start extrapolating that forward, I mean, it gets impressive very fast, like how fast change can start coming. Yeah. Yeah. And what we think we cannot do today and how quickly it can become reality. Totally tomorrow. Like you think about self-driving cars, for example, right? I I remember when we were first started talking about self-driving cars, it seemed like it was going to be 20 years, 30 years off. The Jetson. Yep. Arguably you, you can buy a Tesla and get that extra package or whatever it is. It's essentially a self-driving car. You can't use it that way on the roads legally, but technically it can drive and get there yep. now. Yep. Like it's incredible. Where is that going to carry us in veterinary medicine and what kind of technology that we don't even know exists yet is getting built right now as we speak. Yeah. And jobs that never existed, oh. like social media guru, like what the heck that didn't exist when I graduated from vet school podcast Ooh. host. That didn't exist. No. no. And yet here we are, right? So I, I think it's I think it's exciting. I, I mean and I you know, I guess I don't I'm not a person who's necessarily an early adopter of technology, but I am a person who you know, I appreciate that it's part of our reality, you know? And it's just like the best go player in the world is not an AI nor a human. It's an AI and a human working together. Yep. And that's where I that's where I see us as a profession. We need to we need to recognize that there's tools that can help us do what we do better and not be afraid of them and not be afraid of being displaced because I don't think we'll ever, ever be displaced. Just like physicians will never, ever be displaced. But what our jobs look like may differ, and, but it may allow us more time to do the things that AIs will, AI will never be able to do, which is that human compassion piece. I mean, AI is never really, well, I shouldn't say never because who knows, but... Um, but, you know, there's that piece that they, it won't do. I mean, it can consume data and it can come up with objective findings better than you and I can, um, but it can't do the others. Yep. Love it. And could go down a few yeah. different. Yep. That's a big rabbit hole. Rabbit holes. Exactly. <laughs> that would take us another hour or two. So maybe yeah. that's podcast number two in future. Yeah, there you go. And what that looks like. So I want to respect your time. And Mike, any other pieces there that you have follow-up questions on or, or other rabbit holes of potential? No, that just, that really gets you thinking like that, that last piece there about like, wow, where, where can we end up? But I, I really like what you're saying about like, let's be part of that development, not just leave it go wherever it goes. Yeah. And not be afraid of it. Right. Like that's it. And I think Craig, again, having worked with you closely, uh, you've put yourself in the position now to be able to be a, not a bystander, but an active participant in that. So I think, you know, as, as one person of many, we're, um, we're, we're excited to see where technology goes, where the ability to improve medicine goes within veterinary industry and uh, love that you're right in the middle of it. Um, yeah, thought leaders because you are a thought leader and I've seen that in place before and we need more of you out there. So it's no, great. no, I can't. I, I, you know, I have to, I have to say, you know, regardless of your role or whatever we do, I, I mean, this is us, like it this is. is us and it's not, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, I have to reflect and be a little bit like, no, Hey, I'm not, I'm not in a position different than anybody else necessarily. I just, I think we all need to start speaking about it. 
that's it and not ignoring it and taking the the steps forward together so appreciate that yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely And, and again i think it's a it's a you know, I always look at the only reason that any of us are successful is the people around us. It's not us. I, at least I don't truly believe that. I believe that it's, it's having the people around us who they are the ones who have made us successful and, you know, be it your parents, be it your friends, be it your colleagues, your bosses. And so, yeah, I can't take any credit for anything that I've done. <laughs> Sadly. Selfless. I love it. So with that, we're going to move into the impact round. And the impact round for us is all of our episodes ending in the same format with short questions that you can answer briefly or as long as you would like. Oh, wow. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) And Dr. Mosley has not been preempted on these questions. So we're excited to see what the answers come out as. So our first question in the impact round is, Craig, are you a cat or a dog person? Cat. Yes. True or false? I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a kid. False. I wish. I, I wasn't one of those ones. I had about 15 other careers before becoming a vet. But I, I am so grateful that this is the path my life took. Like I, you know, I, I can think of a lot of different careers I could have gone into or different things. I just think as veterinarians, we should realize that this profession is only limited by us. And it doesn't matter what your interests are as a veterinarian, there are things that you will find interesting in this profession. I mean, you know, for myself, I love geeking out on equipment and engineering kind of stuff. Well, guess what? There's lots of that in anesthesia. There's lots of that in all areas. We've got, you know, ultrasound and CTs. I mean, there's lots of splicing geek out. So yeah. Nope. Didn't know that. I, no. False though. I'm interested in this next question. How would your friends describe what you do for a living? <laughs> they just call me a vet. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. Honestly, it's so interesting because you know, obviously, when I was practicing as a primary care doctor, I think a lot of people understood what that was. Mm-hmm. Then when I became an anesthesiologist, everybody's like, "What? What do you do? Like, we don't even get that." Like. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, you know, in my role now, I don't even really try and explain it. I'm just like, yeah, I just work with this company. It's awesome. And, you know, it's a good group of people. And I just leave it at that. <laughs> nice. What is your favorite hobby right now? And, I, and I'm adding right now in there. Yeah. You know what? My favorite hobby, it's been pretty consistent throughout my life, I think. Anything um, involving two wheels and uh, off-road. So, you know, I was always a big mountain biker and uh, now I've added a motor to my mountain bike. Um, and so I, I would say that's probably one of my bigger hobbies right now. Yeah. And it's one that I can do easily from my house. And it's nice because it's just quiet. You're in your own head and your own space and away you go. Way to get away. What in this world are you most grateful for? Uh, you know, what would I say? That's a, that's a tough question. Um, and I get asked this question as part of, I'm part of a, a group of, um, within the Mars veterinary health group that, that we get together and have discussions. And at the end of our, our meetings, we always end it with, you know, what are you grateful for? And nice. so, yeah, I, I thought a lot about it. You know what I think right now though, it's just very poignant. Um, I was just reminded recently of how quickly life can change on a dime. Um, yeah. an event that occurred to a, a friend. 
And I think I'm just, I'm, I'm just really grateful for the moment right now. Like I'm just really, like I'm really grateful to be on your podcast. I am really grateful that you guys are doing this project. I'm really grateful to have met Mike. I mean, I'm just grateful for this moment right now. And I'm trying to be more intentional about that. Awesome. Just awesome. So with that, we're going to wrap up right away here. Uh, for those that will want to reach out to you, not may, but want to reach out and learn more about Craig Mosley and what you're going to be up to today, tomorrow, and in future, where are they best to find you? Uh, probably, I'm not, I'll be honest, I don't do Facebook. <laughs> so you won't find me there probably. Although I notice you have a Facebook page, so maybe yes, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do more with that account and let's let it sit dormant. Um, probably LinkedIn is my, the only social media platform that I'm really on. Um, you can find my profile there, or you can always email me at craig.mosley at vca.com. Excellent. We'll make sure to put that into the show notes for the LinkedIn profile. So as always with our podcasts, our last word goes to you. What message would you like to leave the veterinary community? Um, and you've done such a great job today. Hmm. What would I want to leave to the veterinary community? Be genuine and stay curious. Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now. Bye for now.